0: Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide podcast, where we discuss films from every genre. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Happy Halloween, everyone. Today, we are releasing a special podcast for Halloween, October 31st. We're excited to bring this special review to you. We thought it would be fitting to discuss on Halloween the film <laughs> Halloween, a classic. <laughs> A, a true gem, a true classic. We're we're not gonna pretend like we're we we do not you know like this movie and keep you guys in suspense. Are you kidding me? Or not? Uh, <laughs> we're we're really excited to talk about Halloween. So this film was uh, directed by John Carpenter. Oh yeah, uh, it's also written by John Carpenter. And the music is done by John Carpenter. Yes. Oh, yeah. He, he's the man. He's the man. And also uh, his partner, who also produced the film and wrote with him, Deborah Hill. She continued on with him into the second and I believe third. And that's when they cut ties with the Halloween series. Uh, but before we get any farther, I probably should specify this up front. This is not a Halloween retrospective.
1: No, that's for another time.
0: That is for a different time. Those films are long How many are there? Like six or seven? There's at least 10, I'm pretty sure. Oh, my. Yeah. uh, uh, As of last Halloween, I have seen every Halloween film now. And I don't own any of them actually anymore. (laughs) You did, yeah. I owned like the $130 gigantic 16-disc box set. And then I realized that I'm in college and I can't be spending that kind of money. (laughs) And... (laughs) I need the money back, so I actually sold it. That's how you do it, man. And it kind of makes sense. I don't know. Well, that's a discussion for a different time, whether it's worth owning all of those movies and paying that much for them. Yeah. But otherwise, we are just discussing Halloween today. That's it for this review. Uh, We'll probably do a retrospective series someday, but today is just Halloween on October 31st. We're excited to bring this review to you. And this film stars Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis, Nancy Keys, PJ Souls, Charles Cypher, Kyle Richards, Brian Andrews, and of course, Nick Castle, Michael Myers himself. Yes. And this movie, uh, well, it was released on October 25th, 1978. Just perfect. Right before Halloween, it was released. And I'm sure audiences were just going nuts over it yeah gosh why can't we have a good halloween movie like that now like released right in october right before and we're all just going crazy over it because it's perfect they've tried they've tried paranormal activity (laughs) oh yeah yeah gosh that's sad (laughs) well you know what i guess the only thing that ties it to paranormal activity is these movies are low as a low budget film this was low budget yeah low do you know how low the budget is for this i just
1: checked right before the podcast it's estimated about
0: thirty thousand, or three hundred thousand. No, three hundred thousand. Yeah. Not thirty thousand. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> no, three hundred thousand, which by today's standards would equal garbage.
1: It would be in the amount, I'd say.
0: Sure. Uh, I mean, nowhere. That's nowhere even near a million dollars. No, it's far from it. I mean, most movies don't know. Like people wouldn't even know what to do with this budget. But this is a super low budget film, and. Oh my gosh, it it grossed 47 million in the States. Yeah.
1: Now we know where all the money (laughs) came from to do all the sequels.
0: (laughs) Oh gosh, yeah, I know. And we'll get into that towards the end about those sequels and just everything about that. Yeah. I couldn't find, I don't know if it even went foreign. I don't even know if it went international. All I know is that it just did 47 million in the States. Yeah. And I have no idea how it performed um, opening weekend. I don't know any information about that. I couldn't find any um, on box office. Mojo didn't tell me anything. Hmm. But if you adjust the ticket price for inflation, which I feel is fair considering we have Halloween movies that just came out, I don't know, a couple years ago. Right. Um, then this is the highest grossing Halloween film. Otherwise, it's number three. So and that's only because of the modern box office. So today we are discussing the theatrical cut of Halloween There is an extended version that was solely produced for the television audience. That's right.
1: I know for the, wasn't it like uh, like 12 minutes were cut out?
0: Yes, blood was excised, nudity was excised, but then John Carpenter shot like 10 minutes worth of footage to put into it. Okay. And if you own it on the disc like I did, then you get the full runtime of the theatrical film. You don't get anything cut out for the extended version, you just get that 10 minutes put back in. So it makes it an hour and 41 minutes. Yeah. And honestly, I'll speak to that TV version real quick. We're not reviewing the TV version. The TV version was actually shot at the same time that footage was shot at the same time they were shooting Halloween 2, which made it easier. And I'm trying to think that anything that really stands out, there's actually only one sequence that's really No. Okay. There's two sequences. There's really not much put into it with these 10 minutes. They're just long scenes. Um, Alan hasn't seen the second one, so I'm not going to say. They actually put in kind of a spoiler for the second movie, and it actually defined Michael's motives, which kind of ruins the movie in a way, because it's a mystery. It's all a big mystery. You don't want to know these motives, but... They do put that in, and then actually Lori's friend Linda is being stalked by Michael also, hmm. which we don't get in the movie per se, but she comes over to Lori's house, and they're in Laurie's living room, which we never got to see, but she's in there, and they're just, like, having girl talk, and she's like, on this way over here, this creepy guy was following me, which... Changes the dynamic because Lori was the only one seeing Michael Myers and all of her friends were thinking she was just being a scared girl or something. Whereas that changes it. PJ Soul's character sees it. So uh, if you're a Halloween fan, go ahead and watch it. I encourage you to watch it because, hey, who doesn't want more Halloween? It really doesn't diminish the film in any way. But I would say absolutely watch the theatrical version first so you don't get anything spoiled for you. But other than that... Um, a piece of trivia that I think everybody should know is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother is Janet Lee, who starred in Psycho.
1: Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. I knew this. Wasn't this Jamie Lee Curtis's introducing introductory it was. acting role?
0: It, it is. This is introducing Jamie Lee Curtis. Wow, that's crazy. Right. And Psycho, in a lot of ways, is the older brother of Halloween. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, a lot of people attribute Psycho as kicking off the slasher genre. So, And, and it, it really did in a way, if you look, there's a lot of similarities between the two. Yeah, there definitely but, is. But I really would say that Halloween really brought it into its own. Definitely. Because this is before we got, you know, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. anything like that. Halloween kicked it off and it, it sparked a ton of imitation films. Yeah. but And this originally was not going to be titled Halloween. It was originally going to be titled The Babysitter Murders. Yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. It was originally going to be titled The Babysitter Murders, and it had the events take place over the space of several days, but it was a budgetary decision to change the script to have everything happen on the same day, which reduced um, costume changes mm-hmm. and location shootings and everything like that.
1: I, I feel like it works a bit better with just the one one-day thing, too.
0: Absolutely, I completely agree. I am so glad it all. Yeah. Well, okay, it doesn't all take place. Well, on yeah, that's right. Halloween night. If
1: once a week gets going, then yeah, as well as what I meant to say.
0: I think it might have been John Carpenter who suggested this was not. Even though he wrote and directed the film, this was not his original, his own original concept. Oh, really? It wasn't. It was, I believe, one of the other producers who came to him and john carpenter's like sure i'll direct it but i want my name above the title so it reads john carpenter's halloween gotcha and he wanted more credit than he actually really came up with right if that makes sense makes sense yeah he is probably the biggest reason this film is what it is yeah and this film is an icon of the horror genre and just kind of scary movies in general and this film actually established a lot of those horror tropes where the virgin yeah. Yeah. can't die and a lot of the things that are brought up in Scream that are they're parodied kind of in Scream, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that all stems from Halloween, which they're in Scream they're actually watching Halloween. Yeah.
1: That's and right. talking
0: about the rules while while watching it. So that's kind of a funny
1: Yeah. So thing. as you can probably tell this film was very influential for just horror movies in general after this was released
0: yeah and it and it rightly deserves that it really was groundbreaking especially with that kind of budget yeah it's just a crazy small budget and they did something really amazing with it so if you don't know the premise of halloween uh, i'm not going to give you the plot i i'm just going to suggest that you go watch it right now yes please definitely definitely if you haven't seen this do not listen to this podcast Because we're just going to spoil this thing completely. Yes. So really go watch it and then come back to our podcast and follow along with us as we discuss this great film. So let's get into it. We are opened with a fantastic credit sequence with just glorious music.
1: Back to to the beginning
0: when... All
1: the credits of our movie were put at the very beginning of the film.
0: But it just really sets the mood, doesn't it? It does.
1: It really does. I like how there's a pumpkin there, and it just, as the credits are going on, it slowly gets, it comes close to that pumpkin as the credits are going. And this is like a five minute sequence of all the credits. It just slowly gets close to that pumpkin until it's just the eye in the corner, and then it just slowly fades out.
0: So cool. Okay, and Alan is the big soundtrack guy. Yes. What did you think of this soundtrack?
1: Okay, I really like the soundtrack. I have some problems with this implementation. I'll give that.
0: Okay.
1: I'll I'll point it out. I'll point it out. But very good soundtrack. Very iconic soundtrack. I'll, it's it very good. It is so
0: iconic. And it's crazy because John Carpenter wrote it all himself. Yeah. And did everything himself.
1: Right. My cousin went to, pointed this out because he was watching it with, or he watched the first half an hour with me. He pointed mm-hmm. out, he's was like, you know, John Carpenter, he has a thing for simple soundtracks. Because if you've ever watched yeah. this one and you've ever watched The Thing, The Thing is just a bass note just being strummed back and forth, just over and over again, you know. It's very simple sounds, music, I mean. it And it definitely works for this. Because this, this is a simple movie, too. It's a very simple movie.
0: It is, yeah. And it works. This is a big instance of a simple plot that works, whereas I don't think we'll do the review of it. I don't think we're going to spend the time on it. But we recently watched It Follows together. Right. Right. Which tried to be simple. A lot of people said it followed in the vein of John Carpenter, uh, maybe with imagery, but not with storytelling, and that really kind of fell flat with how it was just lacking in those ways. Whereas this doesn't.
1: We could sit. We could probably spend a while talking about how uh, it follows, implements its storytelling. But yeah, I don't feel like it nearly comes close for the rain in right. like greatness as this one does.
0: But we open with with this Halloween chant. And the whole opening is a POV shot.
1: Yes. I love this.
0: Okay. And I want to ask you right off the bat, were you aware that was a six-year-old?
1: No. When the movie first opened, I was like, what's happening? At first, mm-hmm. I didn't know it was a POV shot. I thought it was just, uh, at first I thought it was a handheld shot because it was moving back, moving a little bit. So, like, okay, it's kind of an interesting shot. And the next thing I know it starts moving and it, I definitely tell at this point, okay, this is a POV shot. At the moment, I didn't think it was a kid. I thought it was actually Michael Myers uh, mm. at that time, like, you know, older with the mask and stuff, I was like, okay, this is, that's him. Right. And then, and then, you know, he kind of goes up to the like, front door or whatever, and then sees the couple come in and he like walks around the corner and, you know, sees him get on the couch and I'm like, okay, it's kind of freaking me out a little bit because <laughs> of the POV shot. I don't know who this is. You know, yeah. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe it is Michael Myers, but I don't know if it actually is him, you know? And so it was actually starting to freak me out a little bit because the guy was just watching and then he ended up getting, going in the back door, and he pulls over the drawer and takes out the knife. And I was like, "Okay, it's a bit of a small hand for you know an adult." And he's wearing, I think, green or something like that. Yeah. So I was like, "Who is this? What's going on?" You know, like I knew what was going to happen because he picked up the knife, and I was like, oh, "This is like it's starting to mess with me a little bit." <sighs> this beginning, this opening sequence that not only was it impressive because it was a wonder, but it also was giving us the point of view of Michael Myers as a kid. Without us even knowing it. Yes. And I thought that was really interesting.
0: Yeah. It shocked audiences when you find out that it's a six-year-old. Yeah. And when it was a kid, I was like, whoa. And Wait a I, minute. I'm really glad that that wasn't spoiled for you because that is something that's been spoiled for lots of people. Yeah. You know, just like Psycho has been spoiled. I, no, I, We're not talking about Psycho, so I won't spoil Psycho. In this review, it, on the off chance, it was weird chance that you haven't seen Psycho, which you should by now, especially if you're listening should to this podcast. Love
1: one of my favorites right there. It's
0: fantastic, but so good. it is such a shock and it's done so yeah. well. And actually, this was one of the very first implementations of the Steadicam. Really? They actually built this harness around the guy and implemented that because they're having trouble with the camera walking like that and keeping it fluid.
1: Oh, okay, That makes sense. Pretty cool. Yeah.
0: And what did you think when uh, Michael goes up to the house, then he steps back and he looks up and the light and then the light shuts off and then you hear that. Yeah, I was like, wasn't that uh, creepy? And then it holds that note for like the whole scene almost.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, that note just kind of gets higher and higher as Mm -hmm. as the scene goes along i I like I love this opening scene it set the mood and everything for the rest of the film like you now from this opening scene you know what this film is about you know mm-hmm. and you know what you don't I mean, you may't know where it's gonna go but you know that this is a horror film and it's a slasher film and it's just it's
0: just a good opening it's a really good opening I love this opening absolutely I do too and some fun little tidbit uh the hand that reaches for the knife and the mask is actually deborah hill's hand the producer and writer really yeah they just need like a small hand huh and they're like okay yeah get hers it's just a great opening and it's so crazy when they take off the mask and he's holding the knife and his yeah. parents and so it's just like this big crane shot that zooms out and yeah. the parents are just like frozen like it's it's really pay attention to those people film current filmmakers please pay attention to this this is how you please. make a horror movie. i want
1: stuff I want more stuff like this. This is eye candy to me.
0: Yes. (laughs) But and then we flash forward 15 years later. So now we're in 1978. I've seen Halloween a dozen times. But Alan, was this a surprise to you? Of course, you said it was a surprise that we start off with him as a six year old. Yeah. And then we just jump. 15 years.
1: Right. And at first, I was a little bit confused because I didn't know what was happening. I had no idea what was going on right now. I was yeah. like, I understood later when the scene, as the scene goes along, when they pull up, it was at the insane asylum, I think, mm-hmm. and they're just letting the patients wander. Yeah. And it's raining outside. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was, I was like, at this point, the movie was trying to freak me out a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, that's freaky. You Actually know, just letting them that wander. Exact in the exact
0: word rain. in my notes. Freaky.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and then I don't know who the girl was. I think she shows up a little bit later,
0: but the nurse. Yeah. No. No. She shows up in Halloween H two O actually.
1: I, mean, I must be. I'm confusing her because she smokes in the beginning, and then Jamie Lee Curtis smokes later on in the film. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just got to mix up there for a second. No, but yeah, then, then Michael Myers, uh, the, the the investigator guy gets out. And then Michael Myers attacks and then takes the car. Yeah. And now he's loose.
0: And um, actually, this is something you should know is for the TV cut, there's much more exposition between the 15 year gap. We actually see Michael as, I don't know. 13 year old or something huh. and we see dr loomis arguing with other doctors whether or not to release him or transfer him or what to do and right. he tells michael like you you don't have me fooled and stuff like that so there is instead of just throwing you into this car which yeah i'm sure that would be confusing because we don't know we just don't know what's going on it's the right day yeah. before halloween it's like october 30th and we're at some kind of sanitarium yeah so the TV cut probably did that probably just to get that TV audience less confused. And John Carpenter's like, hey, well, I guess I can just fill more stuff in that way. Right. Yeah, exactly. But Michael has super strength. Yeah. And he knows how to drive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I have in my notes, too. It's like, oh, through a nice scene. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> well, even Dr. Loomis calls it out. He's like, he just drove out of here. Somebody must have been giving him driving lessons. Yeah. I was like, but who? <laughs> So uh, that's that's something we just kind of have to give the movie yeah is cuz that's un- it's unbelievable it doesn't seem right but we do get a fun line we get Loomis is so dramatic in this movie but he's so much fun I love the line where he's like he's gone the evil is gone from here yeah yeah <laughs> it's so dramatic
1: and okay I'm going to get me get the straight though real quick cuz I'm sure pretty sure I'm right but the investigator guy that was with the was with the nurse in that opening Dr Loomis um, He's a yes. doctor.
0: His, he's Michael's doctor. He's been Michael's doctor for 15 years. Okay, and he's the one who, like, tries to
1: look for him during Halloween night, right? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. All right.
0: Yeah, he's the protagonist to Michael being the antagonist. Gotcha. And we do learn that Michael hasn't spoken one word for 15 years. Right, he's that's right. He's essentially, after that night when he was six-year-old, he, he went catatonic. Yeah. But... And we get just more absolutely wonderful music. Just yes. I just can't not praise the music enough about how creative and how it just sets the atmosphere yeah. perfectly. And the
1: funniest thing is, when it does this, it's during the day yes. after this part. And it's setting the, the mood during the day, which is honestly kind of hard to pull off because it's You're a right. horror movie and it's all bright and stuff. it's really interesting. I thought that was super interesting.
0: Yeah, and that's just a testament to how John Carpenter can really create that scary setting during the day, whereas most horror movies rely on it being dark and at night. And it it does get there, but still, it's usually always in the light, you know, mostly well lit.
1: Right, exactly. And I have to, okay, and I'm going to point this out, and I'll point it out a couple of times, but I have to tell you that I love the cinematography in this movie. Oh, yes because it's a lot of wide shots with a lot of long takes and they use that to its advantage and it's amazing because of how they use it and it's scary because of how they use it and I'll point out a couple of scenes because there are scenes when Michael Myers just kind of comes up and Mm -hmm. just lingers Mm -hmm. and just stays there it's like okay it's gonna cut right it's so unsettling right and it just unsettles you because it, it doesn't cut when you think it's going to yeah and it's it, it's it's that's scary. It's it's that's how you do a good horror movie. You yeah, know, absolutely. That's... And and I'll point it a couple of times when this happens because it doesn't happen until a bit later. But that that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about right here mm-hmm. is this is good filmmaking it, to me. When you're trying to make something, at least for horror movies, when you're trying to make something scary, you use the aesthetics of making the film to make it scary, not just not just setting up something just so it can be scary but actually creating a character and then having that character not say a word but just having him look at this person who's walking down the sidewalk for an ungodly amount of time <laughs> to make it that scary because we know we cuz we know what he's capable of yeah. and now that he's older he's capable of much more and it makes it scary because we don't know what he's going to do you know yeah that's that's why i love the cinematography and the sound design too it's just that it's so good in this movie it really sets the tone and it, it knows how to scare the audience.
0: We get Lori's, we learn that Lori's father is selling Michael Myers' old house. And right after that, I get, I I liked this shot. And maybe this is one of the shots you're talking about. After Lori what of? drops off the when key they... and Michael comes out into the sidewalk. Yes. And we get that kind of older, over the shoulder shot of Michael just breathing, watching her. Yes. It really sets up a mystery. This sets up his stalking her. Yeah. Hurt.
1: Yeah, and there's another shot too that I'll bring up later. Um, that was my absolute favorite of the film. I'll bring it up when we get there. But yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of things I'm talking about. Is it's just an ungodly amount of time of her just walking, and he's just sitting there on the very right corner of the screen, and you just hear him breathing, just back and forth, not yeah. not getting more intense, like lessing down. It was just thing, just constant breathing, inhale, exhale, and it's freaky.
0: Yes. And this is something John Carpenter does so well with this story, is building suspense.
1: Yes. We don't know when he's going to snap. We don't know when he's actually going to go after her.
0: You're right. The movie begins with this gruesome killing, and then we learn he's been catatonic for 15 years. He's driven off to Haddonfield on uh, the night before Halloween, and we get Loomis saying— like, this guy is nuts. Like, it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be horrible if we right. don't stop this guy. We have to stop him. And he's almost like a crazy person in a way, you know. But then throughout the like the rest of the movie nearly, we don't get Michael doing anything except stalking. And it's like yeah. you said, like, when is he going to snap? What We're waiting for something crazy to happen, yet he's still just, he keeps lingering and lingering, which builds suspense on when he, what he's going to do because we know right. something crazy is going to happen.
1: Right. And one thing I love, I was expecting in that shot when she's just walking, I was expecting her to turn around Mm -hmm. at any moment. And she never does. Mm -hmm. I was like, ah, she doesn't know it. And I know it. And that's scary because you know what he's going to do. but we don't know when he's going to do it. That's good suspense. That's good. That's good filmmaking
0: right there. Oh, yes, it is. And I love it when she gets to the school. And she's in yeah. class, and she just looks out the window, and he's standing there across the street. We get to see that kind of mask for the first yeah,
1: time. Yeah, that's the first time we see the mask. We don't see it for uh, a lot of the movie from then until about the about towards the uh, forty-five minute mark. We don't see the, we don't see that mask. Yeah, no, And it's clearly. and it's a far shot to wide shot, so we don't get to see very much detail about it. So it's like, wait, what, what was that? Yeah, you know.
0: And then he's gone, the next in the next shot. Loved it. Oh, I love that. And you'll, if you remember, this is what it follows, it follows cribbed from this scene. It took from this scene when right, yeah, Jay yeah. is sitting in the classroom and she sees the old woman walking across campus. That's right. Yeah. They okay. directly I now. took that from Halloween. Yeah, they
1: did. They did. And okay, I also like to point out that the car that Michael Myers steals. Yeah freak the crap out of me because every time I see a car, I'm like, is that his car? Oh, oh no, it's yeah. a different color from color yeah. or something like that. Every time I saw a car drive by, I was like, is that his car? Yeah, And I watch it and <laughs> most of the time it wasn't, but I was like, if the movie can do that to me, then I know it's doing
0: something right, you know? And we're also introduced to the boy that Lori will be babysitting, Tommy. Yeah. And it's important that we kind of establish his character since... Right. He'll be throughout the movie, and he refers to the boogeyman on a few occasions. Who's the boogeyman? What's the boogeyman? And the first kind of thing we get of him is these kids are teasing him, and he has a gigantic pumpkin. Right. Which he is tripped, therefore falling and crushing the pumpkin, which right. I just always have thought every time i see seen this movie. I'm like, dang, ouch. <laughs> that pumpkin's true. Yeah and that would hurt to crush your little exactly, body. Against exactly. that. <laughs> Where did the stem go was my
1: question because usually you have stems. you know, that would have hurt to fall on.
0: <laughs> I know, man. I, I don't know. I've always thought about that because yeah. first of all, the pumpkin's huge. His body's small. It's going to hurt. Right.
1: But I got to say, I do like how they're trying to develop this character of yeah. Tommy. Tommy. But, uh, they don't really use the, they, they don't really utilize him very much later on in the climax of the film.
0: No. No, he's he's too scared. He's little. But
1: I do like that they try and I do like how they develop him though.
0: Yeah. And it also throws the viewer off because we see Michael is also stalking Tommy. Yeah. So exactly. it's like, wait a minute. He sees Lori, but now he's at Tommy's school. Oh man, is he gonna go after this little kid? yeah who's he gonna go after and then next re- he's back to Lori. so it's really throwing the viewer off yeah who is he making going to stalking
1: right to making the him. viewer even more paranoid because we don't know who he's gonna go after now and i was stalking at this point two people and later on three right it's oh man this is this is how to scare the audience i feel this is how, this is this is the stuff i find more scarier than modern horror films oh yeah
0: me too absolutely and this is so much more real also yeah, than modern horror films. And Definitely. The only other film that probably scarier than this is The Strangers. Do you remember The Strangers? I do.
1: Uh but that I would not agree with you on that
0: one. <laughs> okay, I, I guess that's I, for I a different in, review. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was a, I was on different we were on opposite sides of that film when we when we watched it.
0: Hmm, okay.
1: Different story though.
0: Different story. Yes. But the one thing that I do say where there's kind of a gap in the plot, which kind of works for its advantage. Loomis is so intent that Michael is coming to Haddonfield, but we don't know why? Yeah. um, We were never, ever given an explanation. And I'll just say it right here. We do find out in number two. I won't say that for now. Yeah. I'll let that be a mystery to you. Yeah, I did notice that too. Not you mention it. It's really open-ended.
1: I mean, if I was a guess, maybe Haddonfield is just the closest town, you know? But yeah, I mean that—that that was it. his
0: hometown. It was Haddonfield. That's where he grew up. That's where the that's house is,
1: right? I guess that makes more sense. Then why would he go back? I guess. And
0: I mean, he—I don't know. It's just like Loomis knows. Like he's just immediately sure. He's like he's going to Haddonfield. Like right off the bat, he knows. Right, right. I guess that'd
1: be the first place. If I was uh, him, I guess that'd be the first place I would go. You know, because that's the only place that he knows. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I totally agree. It's kind of a. Pothole.
0: He can't supply the sheriff or anybody else with any good reason or the other doctor. Yeah. The, do- the other doctor he speaks with, he's like, Haddonfield's 150 miles from here. Right. And he's like, yeah. I know he's going there for sure, but he doesn't ever really give an explanation. And I, I agree. we do get that in part two, which we'll discuss someday. And part two is literally part two. Yeah. Like, it's it could be the same film, just cut in half. Wow. Or a continuation I should say. It literally picks up where part one leaves off. Wow, crazy. So, but I won't I won't say any more on part two. Okay. That's for a different yeah. review. Yeah. And we also get another we also get more characters, which are Lori's friends, who oh, are yeah. crazy annoying, but they work for the movie, I think.
1: Yeah, I d I gotta say I wasn't a big fan of their acting. They don't think it did it wasn't very good. They're just
0: here. trying to be like ditzy teenage girls, I yeah.
1: think. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I get that, but I feel like the acting that's coming off from just isn't the best. But they work for what the film is, so yeah. I mean, it's not that big of a deal.
0: Right. They're just kind of, you know, space cadets and right, they right, don't yeah. know what's going on. And we get kind of this dichotomy between Laurie being friends with them and a good girl. Whereas yeah. I see them all three have, they've probably been like childhood friends. And they right. have just grown up being a little more rebellious than she is. Although we do see her succumb to peer pressure and be rebellious, like when she cusses for the first time in the movie, that just right. felt like something she's doing because she's around them, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, I agree. It it kind of has, honestly, it kind of has that a bit more of a human feel to it, you know? Yeah um that she has that it's this innocent girl who has friends who are not so innocent you know and then she's kind of slowly getting there but not completely getting there and she's like i don't know about that you know yeah Uh, and then she's our main character too so i I, that's really interesting i thought
0: and i do want to compliment jamie lee curtis for being her very first role yeah um i think she did great um she did according to the trivia she thought she did bad and she was gonna get fired but no, no. I,
1: th- I thought she did great in this film. It,
0: she really works in this film. She is a fantastic protagonist yeah. to follow.
1: Yeah, I would say, if anything, maybe she's a bit too old for this role. She, she didn't looks look a bit too old. old, old. To, I guess to me, she looked a bit older for a high school girl than at least compared to her friends. Um,
0: I know but, one of them was like twenty five at the time. I think. Oh wow! But I, I thought they all looked. As, like, as far as high schoolers go, I thought they seemed pretty decent, though. Because yeah. sometimes, a lot of these times, you just get 30-year-olds playing high schoolers, and it just doesn't That's work. That's true. It worked for Kobe, me. Ma- Kobe Maguire. Yeah. Spider-Man. Really. <laughs> I don't know. It worked for me. But yeah. what did you think of the scene when uh, Michael is speeding past them, and she yells, Speed kills, and he just slams <laughs> on the brakes?
1: yeah i was like did
0: that scare you a is little? this it i was like is this, is this it <laughs> yeah. is he
1: actually gonna snap here and he just just waits Wait. and he's just there he's there for a while and you knows like, it freaks him out yeah and they're like what the heck's going on and then he totally drives off it's like mm, mm-hmm. not today or not right now yeah i guess oh man that's the, like i said this film likes to build paranoia with our main character
0: yes this is
1: Good filmmaking.
0: Yes. And the next one we see is him standing behind the hedges. Yes. I love that scene.
1: Yes. And then it also starts to beg the question, is our main character just being paranoid or is he actually
0: there? Right. Because she has Annie go up and. Yeah. He's, like, he's not there. She wants to talk to you, you know? Yeah. And yeah. It,
1: and I, this is, I feel like this, even if it's real or not, doesn't matter. It's the fact that if, the audience believes is real or not which would be the exact same as jamie lee Curtis believing that it was real or wasn't real it's stuff like that it doesn't exactly answer that question of if he was actually there because it doesn't need to it's just it's just giving you this so you can be more paranoid about her and the movie
0: yeah and we get kind of a jump scare right after this but i don't really think it's intending to be a jump scare but i think it works
1: Right, yeah, and there and there's a couple of, I guess you would call fake jump scares. Yeah. But I feel like they work for this film because they built it up for her being paranoid already.
0: Right, whereas normally nowadays with jump scares, it's just a blatant, clearly, we're trying yes. to scare you, and it's just so fake. Whereas this makes sense, she bumps into the sheriff. Right. Which, I do, why was he standing in the middle of the sidewalk like that? <laughs> you know, I, yeah, you I, it. it does make the question, what was he doing there? Yeah. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. but otherwise it makes sense because she's just jumpy, you know? Right. Already. Exactly. Exactly. So that, that worked for me. And we also get a really good line from Sheriff Brackett when he says, well, I guess it's Halloween. Everyone's entitled to one good scare.
1: That's true. That's yeah.
0: become an iconic line. Everyone's entitled to one good scare. Yep. So true that. Okay. But we're, we get kids trick or treating at like three 30
1: already in the afternoon i mean where i come from we have like <laughs> halloween for like just the businesses around the town yeah. but that's at like 6 30 and then ends at, like 9 but this is like 3 30 this is like right after school
0: well, so this is way too early i did we did yeah when i was a kid i didn't go start trick-or-treating until like twilight or dusk, or something like that. Yeah. You know, when the sun was setting right between when it's sun is setting and right. dark. Yeah. And then most of the trick or treating was done at dark, not right. right after school, which didn't make any sense that the high schoolers got out of school and the elementary school kids right. got out of school like way before and had time to go get costumes on and go trick or treating and like all get together. I don't know. Right, that's yeah. nitpicking. That's like really reading into it. But if you give it time to think about it, yeah. That's right, that's a yeah. little minor flaw. That's just like, no. They're, they're just trying to create the atmosphere, you know. So Right. I'm not going to knock I,
1: them. I noticed something here. When she's walking up to her house, mm-hmm. the streets are wet. And the sidewalk is wet. Really? Yeah, I noticed that when I was watching. I was like, did it rain? It, I thought it was kind of interesting. I don't
0: know. Sprinklers, maybe, maybe yeah. But it,
1: the whole everything was wet though. I thought it was really weird because it looked like it just rained between
0: that shot and then the, when she's going up to <laughs> her house. That's funny. But we get another great scene mm-hmm. right after this when she goes up to her bedroom and she looks out in her backyard. Yes. Sees him standing there, and we really get to see the mask clearly there. Yeah. And I really love that scene. That's that's another really iconic scene. There are so many scenes that have just become iconic yeah from the there scene. have
1: and at this point you kind of get the sense that he is following her but he's everywhere like at the same time you don't know where he's going to yeah, show up next you
0: really do get that like almost omnipresent yeah sense
1: and it's freaky because we know what he can do well oh, yeah they the when, opening
0: yeah and when she looks back he's gone he just disappears
1: yeah. it's like where is he going to be next you know and I think for the, and the rest, for the rest of the scene I was wondering is she going to notice him again and she doesn't
0: yeah I was like oh man it's getting <laughs> to me yeah, and she, I wrote in my note she should be calling the police, but right. at this point, but then I I think she thinks she might be seeing things.
1: Right, yeah, at that point I feel like she is too. And I feel like at this point I am too, you know, like sure. maybe, maybe she's just being paranoid.
0: Okay, she gets the phone call, right? right? And she gets kind of paranoid about it and freaked out. She like throws the phone down and then it rings again. And she's like, "Lori, why did you just hang up on me? Yeah, I'm exactly. I'm sorry, I just had some food in my mouth or something, you know? Right, And so that yeah. really shows that she really is paranoid. Yeah, yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's little stuff
0: like that that I
1: like. Yeah. That really helps with this movie.
0: And you know, actually in the credits, he's not called Michael. Once he dons the mask, he's not called Michael Myers. He's called The Shape. Huh. If you go look in the credits. Weird. He's The Shape, Yeah. And I really like that though, because yeah. it fits with him just being like this shape that's just blank and moving about. And you yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. And I have to ask. I wonder why Lori decided to change her clothes to go babysitting.
1: I don't know. Did you
0: notice that at all? I did notice that. I was like, <laughs> you changed your clothes. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I honestly don't know. I don't know. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. But we also uh, we jump back to Doctor Loomis. And we learn that Judith Meyer's headstone is missing.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. So and I think that could be kind of confusing for a first time viewer. Were you kind of a little confused with that sequence? I was a little bit, but I
1: I was like, okay. at the beginning of the scene, I I understood what was going on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, at first. Yeah. Now, is this the scene? I'm trying to remember if this is the scene that Lori and friend drive up to meet the sheriff at the store that got robbed.
0: Yes. And the, okay. Well, it's right after that. She's okay. waiting to be picked up. She gets picked up. Then we go to the graveyard scene. We get that great line. Uh, That's Luna says, right. says he came okay. home, and which just really is freaking you out by then. Because I I really want to talk about this scene. <laughs> oh, the marijuana scene. Yeah, the
1: that scene, and then when they pull up to talk to dad, the sheriff, Dad.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, we can talk about that.
1: Because the marijuana. No, not, not the marijuana scene. Well, that too. Oh. Um, it kind of just shows that our character is kind of, People you know, are... degrading a little bit. Yeah. And going along with her friends. But the scene that takes place immediately after this one, when they're driving up and the store's been broken into, oh, right? Oh, yes. And so they pull in. And, you yes. know, as they talk to their dad, there is an amazing sequence that I love <laughs> in, this so- in this scene. And it's incredible. What happens is they're talking with dad, you know and they're conversing, and then this camera goes from outside the car and from behind uh police father dude, and they're like, okay, bye, and they drive off, and immediately as they drive off, they're driving down the road, and then there's a point when the doctor comes from outside the frame, and then once the, they meet the car, and him basically like cross paths, and he's walking towards the sheriff guy, same shot, and he's walking towards the sheriff guy, and they stop and talk for a bit, and the camera kind of goes from behind the sheriff guy to being like parallel with them, and they're talking for a little bit, you know, and then police guy says, okay, I'll be right back. And then walks off and then the camera zooms out a little bit and you see Michael Myers's mm-hmm. car coming out from the intersection. Stop and then go all in the same sequence. I was like, that's good cinematography right there. That's amazing. It was so cool. It is. That's a really great scene. That, that's, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie is just that sequence and just in general, how it was all planned out and everything it
0: was so cool. This is also the last time that the sheriff will see his daughter alive. Which True. is yep. made more prominent in the second film,
1: right? I had a bit of a hard time getting the relationship between sheriff and daughter, a couple other people at the beginning, but now that mm-hmm. you now that we're mentioning it, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pick things up now.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, and honestly, Lori's friends are not very nice to her.
1: Yeah, they're kind of sarcastic and stuff. Yeah,
0: they are. Well, because they just go a little too far. Because just because she doesn't have a boyfriend and. Yeah. has premarital sex like them they think she's this prude and Lori's like oh I'd rather go out with Ben Tramer and she's like I didn't even know you thought about that kind of stuff Laurie <laughs> and it's like you're yeah. just being a smart mouth now like Annie's yeah. a real big smart mouth in this movie
1: yeah I I, I agree yeah her friends are kind of
0: just well her, they're
1: really they're really aching her you know Linda
0: is so annoying Oh yeah PJ Souls who also plays in yeah. Carrie kind of plays the same exact role in the film mm-hmm. Carrie
1: Oh yeah, yeah, sure.
0: and I want to point out the names in this are I think they're weird and funny. We have mm-hmm. Ben Tramer, Dick Baxter, Lonnie Lamb, Tommy Doyle. <laughs> who <laughs> who named this stuff? I don't know anybody uh, with these kind of names. John Carpenter did, right? John Carpenter, <laughs> yeah. Aren't the, <laughs> those names are just funny? I think. Yeah, there are, there are
1: some pretty funny names in this. I I agree. <laughs> it feels very seventies. I'll give it that.
0: Yeah. It, it does. Yeah. But, and this is where it gets interesting because right. they both go off. They're babysitting right across the street from each other. They can see each yep. other's houses. And we assume Michael is going to follow Lori, but he doesn't. He goes to yeah. Annie's house. And he stays right. at Annie's house for quite a while. Yeah. Mm. I thought
1: that was really interesting because he's following uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis for almost the entire opening and then all of a sudden switches and goes
0: to, you know, her house. I, I had the same thing. I was like, he's been stalking Lori from the beginning, but for whatever, for, for some reason he switches to stalking Annie. Right, right. And it's very strange. We see that pattern throughout the whole thing. He wants to take everyone out and save her for last, it seems like.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. It's, it's weird. It's really, it's kind of, there's not much explanation for that part. You'll um, get it in
0: the second. I'm not going to say I'm anything. sure we
1: do. <laughs> <laughs> as
0: we always do, yeah.
1: Yeah. We finally get to a night scene, though. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's when it goes night for the first time.
0: It's finally night now. And I really do like the scene where, just right before that, where they're driving to the houses and the sun is setting and Michael's yeah. following them. You just know there's such like this impending sense of doom as yeah. the sun is setting there, and they're there is. going off and it's night. they are going to be two young females by themselves with small children we've got this guy who's a murderer in a mask I don't know it's just really yeah. it's just the a sense.
1: recipe for disaster and it it just builds it up in such a good way it really does
0: and especially for a film that's an hour and a half it doesn't feel short per se but the pacing just yeah. moves yeah so well. it's
1: got very very good pacing here
0: and we learned that Michael is not I don't know We learned that he has eaten a dog. Eaten a dog? Yeah. Okay, because when Loomis and Brackett go to his house, they find a dead dog there that had been eaten into. And Brackett's like an animal couldn't have done that. And Loomis is like, no, that's Michael. Oh, yeah.
1: We don't don't see it. I kind of
0: wish we would have saw it because I was always confused watching yeah. that it's very kind of muddled that's, how that's, that's
1: part where I got confused because yeah. I didn't know what they were talking about. Okay, yeah, that makes some more sense now.
0: But we learned that he has eaten a dog, which hmm. I don't know, that's crazy. I mean yeah. it's really bizarre. And yeah, Loomis says is. something like this isn't a man and clearly Loomis knows things that we don't. Yeah. But and we Definitely. don't really find that out either. It's just something we kinda have to develop for ourselves that this guy is almost supernatural. In a way, with the way he pops in and out, and he's eating animals, and he knows how to drive and whatnot. Exactly, yeah. Okay, we do get a jump scare here, which I... It's just blatantly a jump scare. When they're on the second story, and the gutter smashes the window.
1: Yeah, I was wondering what that was about. I was like,
0: but... I guess it's just to show Loomis is on edge also, but... Maybe.
1: I just... I don't know. It, that that was, I think, one of the only ones that didn't really work for me. The, one of
0: those jump scares. Um, no, no. It always it has always scared me, but I've seen it enough now. I think yeah. it was just for this viewing that I was finally like, yeah, I know this is coming because it scared me every dang time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it made me jump,
1: but when I was thinking about it afterwards, it was like,
0: but I don't oh. understand why that was there. Yeah, yeah it, why? It's odd. it's odd because this movie really isn't that kind of movie with jump scares. Right. Um, I don't know how prevalent jump scares were back then. I'm pretty sure they weren't that prevalent. So this may just have been them experimenting. Maybe, yeah, I could definitely see that. And we don't get many of them, and Uh it's not that bad, so I'm not going to fault it really for that. Yeah,
1: yeah, neither am I. It's just a thing, I guess.
0: Yeah, and Loomis does kind of give an explanation when they're in the house. He just says Michael is like this blank, pure evil. Yeah, that's right. Essentially, so... I don't know, and I'm pretty something interesting. Donald Pleasance, he was only he only did like four days of shooting, I think. Uh huh. Which like between like two to four days of shooting, like he was barely on the set. He just like they actually they actually began by shooting his scenes, I'm pretty sure, and then he just left, and that's when they did the rest of the movie. Oh wow! So yeah, he was like, "Eh, I'm not spending too much time here, so let's film it. Yeah, right, right. So (laughs) something something else I thought was really funny is when um tommy pulls out his comics from under the couch yeah yeah and Lori is reading them laser man neutron man i can understand why your mom doesn't let you read these (laughs) yeah but you can watch the thing on tv that's cool right speaking of which john carpenter does four years later you are exactly right it's cool i thought that
1: was super i thought that was really interesting i was like hey i watched that movie last week i think
0: yeah it's cool to see cool to see how that that's in there that thing the original thing and then he goes back and does a wonderful uh remake of it yeah such a good movie so and this film really has iconic imagery like when tommy stares out the window and he sees the shadow of michael against the house clearly defining him as the shape
1: yeah, and you see the kids
0: running across the street, and it's just—it's just so scary, you know. Especially for a younger kid, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I do like the way that Michael Myers and this kid interact in this movie because they never really ever like completely come to each other. always—he always sees him at a distance, and he's always scared of him because he's heard the stories, you know. Yeah. And it's, I thought it was a really interesting dynamic.
0: And, and it is the manifestation of the boogeyman to him because he's been. Yeah. The kids at school kept telling him the boogeyman's going to get you. He's going to get you. And then he sees this shadow right. across the street, which shows him, like, oh no, the boogeyman really is going to get me. And he eventually yeah. asks Lori, he's like, Lori, what's the boogeyman? Is it real? And, you know.
1: Yeah. It's a very interesting dynamic to have that, I thought.
0: It is. And we jump back to Annie at her house. And she's making popcorn. And it's so funny when Lori's like, Oh, I don't know if I'll go out with him. And Annie Uh yells, Why won't you go out with him? For God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then she spills butter on herself. She spills butter on herself. And apparently, she spills enough butter on herself that it requires her to essentially get naked.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And then put on some random shirt she found. I know. I know. It's just like what (laughs) okay
0: and my only thought with this is they know they've got teenagers in the audience especially like teenage guys they're just trying to like tease that especially before the sex scene that we eventually get to they're just trying to tease that for the teenage audience but i was like all right a she's not wearing a bra what what's going on here what kind of girl is she and then she just has i'm like you spill butter on your pants and your shirt and everything that
1: requires you to just To do a complete wardrobe change,
0: I know what. Okay, and it is kind of creepy that Michael is watching her undress, and he also saw his sister naked when he was six. True,
1: that's right, that's right.
0: And he also kills Linda later when she's naked. I don't know. There's some weird symbolism going on there. Does that mean that
1: this movie is trying to talk about teen sexuality? It's a bad thing because, like, one of the uh, after he after Michael Myers kills, uh, what's her face in the car will get to she he yeah he then goes after the couple that come back into the house yeah so like interesting how those two are kind of related but i don't know if that's what the movie's going for well
0: those are those are like tropes that this film john carpenter's like we didn't set out to establish that stuff i'm just telling a story yeah but they have become almost formulaic with later horror films
1: yeah they kind of laid the
0: groundwork for that and people picked up on that symbolism and ran with it. So exactly, they, they definitely did. Yeah, they weren't like blatantly trying to put out this message. Right, right. Michael hates dogs. I wrote that in my notes because yep. he ate a dog and now he killed Lester the dog. So he's a dog yeah. hater. Yeah. Wow. What it. What it. What, <laughs> what a guy. What a guy. What a stand up <laughs> act.
1: <laughs> I. I thought it was funny that. I thought it was interesting though that when the dog dies, all we hear is the yelp, and then we just see like the bottom part of the dog just kind of in midair. So we know what he did, but we don't know what he did.
0: Well, yeah, it's good. I'm glad they didn't show a graphic dog strangling scene. Unlike I Am Legend, oh, which gosh, was far that more movie's disturbing. Sad. <laughs> movie's sad. Same kind of dog too, actually. It's kind of was it? Yeah. Oh yeah, it was. That's right. So, but you know what's also weird? Why is their laundry room outside in their backyard? It's like an outhouse. Has any... Uh, listeners, does anybody have that at their house? Has anybody ever seen that? Mine's in my basement. <laughs> <and> I'm normal. <laughs> Mine is in my house. I don't know anybody that thought it would be a good idea to build their laundry room in their backyard. For real, though. With a with a with its own stone path and everything. It was bizarre. I, I don't know. Gives her to walk around in her underwear and a t-shirt, I guess. So...
1: I feel like that's just there just to make things scarier later on. It's weird, though. When Michael okay. Myers is, like, messing with her in there. I want to talk
0: about that because I love that. Yes. I love how we see him in the windows when she's trying to get out, and we see him, like, behind there, and he's, like, tilting his head and looking in.
1: Yes. Oh, man, I love
0: that. It's so creepy. Oh, I just, Yes. We're getting a few scenes here where he is just standing in plain sight, kind of, or right there in the doorway or the window, and it's just so creepy. Yeah.
1: And I love the shot when he like is like looking through the window, mm-hmm. but he's looking through white curtains. And he has yes. a white mask on. Oh, it's I was so... like, that's cool. That's So good, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was really interesting to see, and yeah, I, I like that shot when it was just him and white mask and white curtains in front of him. Yes.
0: And a funny little bit of information: when Annie's boyfriend Paul calls on the phone, that's actually the voice of John Carpenter. Are you serious? Yeah. That's
1: great. Isn't that cool? he's like, <laughs> That's so cool. Can you
0: put Annie on for me? John Carpenter.
1: Yeah, I do like that sequence though when she picks up the phone, walks over oh. to the left side of the screen, uh, frame, yes. and then walks back and he's there, he's there. And then walks back again and he's gone. Oh my god. I was like, oh, this movie's messing with me. <laughs> At this point, I was actually starting to get a bit, a little bit uh, scared because the movie was messing with me. Because I didn't know when he was going to show up. And when he does, I was not expecting it. And when he disappears, I wasn't expecting that either, you know.
0: It's brilliant, and I love how they're so choice with what kind of cuts they make. Exactly. Because that shot when she's walking back and forth, that's just one shot.
1: Yeah, and and that's what I'm saying. This movie has great cinematography. It's things like that, you know. Not only just cinematography, but also like screenplay, just because, you know, she walks from one side of the frame to the other side of the frame, back to the other side of the frame, and that creates
0: suspense, because of just that movement you know it, it really does it's just so impressive and i i'm really sad to see not very many horror films utilize that anymore exactly it's all freddy shaky cam intense stuff they're just i don't know they're missing the point <laughs> they, they are missing the point there's a reason why this film works so well yes and that's exactly what i put on my notes i said this is how you build suspense the audience yes. keeps think keeps expecting michael to act but he won't not yet
1: Right, and see the the thing about suspense is that you don't know when it's gonna like, when it's gonna snap. You know, yeah. Especially in this movie, we don't know when Michael's gonna actually just go out and just like start doing his thing at all. It just starts at one point and then just goes. But for the whole movie up until that point, it's building this tension and just tightening that guitar string until it mm, eventually snaps. Good analogy, yeah. And absolutely. it does a very good job doing this this is one of those movies that just sits there and just just builds that suspense for the longest time and it's
0: great it is great and we get Annie walking across the street essentially naked no she's got a shirt on but she's in her underwear (laughs) <laughs> I had that in my notes. Like she's going she's going next door and just that. Really? And it it's cold. Yeah. It's Halloween. It's October. It's almost November. It's clearly. Yeah. yeah. Dang. Girl? <laughs> yeah, this gets the little girl this gets Annie uh no, not Annie. Okay, I don't remember her name right now. I know you're talking about, but Yeah, the yeah. little girl that she's watching. It gets the little girl out of the house over at Tommy's house. And mm-hmm. this is where it this is where it happens. This is where Michael snaps and he decides to this kill This got him. me. It, it got you. Me. It got you. It got me. Oh. I did not. I was not expecting. I knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm.
1: I did not know when. And when it did, I actually jumped. I was like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to stab her. Mm. No, he chokes her. For, I think she does stab her, but he chokes her. I was like,
0: "Yeah, he Geez. strangles her for a while, and then when it's taken a while, then he stabs her." Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was like, "Dang, that's good," because I I did not know when this was going to happen, and it happened at. I thought the right moment. Yes.
0: It was perfectly the right moment. And there's a subtle hint of something is wrong because she's yes. singing the song. She's distracted. She tries to open the door, but it's locked. She gets the keys and comes back and opens the door without thinking about yes. it. and It's unlocked. And yes. then it just springs up and kills her. And then she like lands on the horn and there's a horn blaring, but it doesn't cause like anyone's attention. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Uh, it's such a good sequence. It,
1: uh, and, that, and that whole time, I was like, something's wrong. And I didn't know what it was. And we didn't explain what it was because it didn't show anything. And it was perfectly executed because I didn't know what was going to happen, you know. Yeah. Until it finally does. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and it, it
0: got me. I was like, that's good. It, it, it's That's scary. It's so weird to see the contrast between, like, her face full of expression being strangled. And he just has this blank face. It looks like yeah. a human face, but it's just blank. Yeah. It's scary. It's, it is. Okay, it's so good. Okay, and do you know this? Do you know what that mask is? No. Okay, this is. You're gonna be surprised. You know uh, Captain Kirk from Star Trek, the original yeah. one, William Shatner. Yeah. Okay, since this budget was so low, they just went to the store, bought a William Shatner mask, and spray painted it white. That's great. And it it's so <laughs> iconic. It works perfect. That's isn't crazy. it crazy? Isn't it crazy? Wow. Yeah, that works so well. I didn't. I didn't even think about that. It, it was originally going to be like kind of like a scary clown mask. I'm. I think. Huh. Like an upgrade from the one as a kid. But then they're right, like, no, right. that it just didn't work. And I'm so thankful they went with this mask because it. Was I am too. It it works so well. It, it really does. Oh, Tommy has a Howard the Duck comic, by the way. Is it? Oh, it's right. I, That's that. right, I know That's right. He does. I just thought I'd throw that out there for the listeners in case. They didn't realize that. I never thought about that, but oh, that was yes. Really
1: funny. Oh yeah. Also, back to the car scene. I forgot. I just saw my notes. Yeah. Uh, the windows were all fogged up. They were. Come as heavy. Breathing. I just. I just. I just remember that. I was like, that was a nice touch. Cause she looks at it and goes, hmm, huh? and then tries yeah. to wipe it off. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that was just. I just thought bring it up. Yeah. Well, that was super
0: interesting. It was funny because I bought I used to have a small 19 inch TV in my room. And uh, yeah. the controls were so poorly adjusted that I couldn't see him at all. I could barely see anything in the sequence. And then that's when oh, I yeah. learned how to turn the brightness up on my TV. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what what have I been missing this whole time? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's just little things in this movie. And, like, another little thing is when uh, Tommy jumps behind the curtains to scare Lindsay, the little girl. And I'm like, you know what? That's yeah. something I probably would have done. As little exactly, kid. and it just really works on that level. Oh, and of course, I love it when he's like, "It's the boogeyman, nobody believes me," and Lindsay, the girlie, just scared. She's like, "I believe you, Tommy." Uh huh. <laughs> and Lori's expression is perfect when she's like, oh, "You know, you, you can't." Yeah. with these little kids is so funny. And there's just such a realism to that babysitting and everything, and acting. Yeah, it is, and I feel like these kids are a little bit more realistic too. Well, yeah. Speaking of which, I recently watched Child's Play one. And the oh, yeah, yeah. small boy in that is just terrible. Oh yeah, my gosh. Yeah, you would tell me about Worst that. The child actor I've ever seen. Oh. People, people get on to what's his name from Phantom Menace? Oh, you yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Jake Lloyd? Yeah. Anakin? No. Give him an Oscar compared to this kid. <laughs> oh, is he that bad? Oh my gosh. You got to see it. You will just hate his performance. I just. Oh. oh. I can't stand it. But no, back to these two kids, they do a. a really well done job of just like being a normal kid and not being yeah. like i'm on tv hi Why yeah. do I say i don't have to deliver a line or act <laughs> yeah exa- oh, exa- man, exactly exactly I understand I- it when that happens thankfully we don't have that here yeah i'm
1: glad they actually got some pretty good actors to do these kids yeah um i thought it was also really interesting just a side note that the little girl is like a tv buff like she's just like watching this tv like she's like stuck
0: that's cool that they're both watching it together. The boy yeah. and the girl. And she likes the scary movies. Do you know exactly? I was like, that's interesting. It's
1: fun. You know, it's like even though this character's not meant to be very deep, I'm not trying to go very deep with her. That's yeah. an interesting dynamic they gave to her. It, you know, it is. I like just that. a
0: throwaway dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it in the next scene when the three bullies are going to the Mike the, to the Myers house to like test their limits. Yes. Like, go in, go in. And Loomis is behind the bushes, and he does that voice. He he's like I'll, I'm gonna substitute one of the words, but he's like, "Hey Lonnie, get your butt away from there!" And yes. the, I love that, and he just yes. smiles in the kitchen.
1: <laughs> yes, yes that that was a, that was a hilarious oh, scene. So good. But this is the point in time when I was starting to doubt the investigator. You know, you mean Doctor Loomis? Yeah, oh, doc, yeah, the Doctor. I keep calling him investigator. <laughs> um, I was at this scene. I was like, I, but what is he doing though? Like, he's waiting for Michael to come back to his house, but I feel like if he never comes back, then he's obviously doing something worse. And I feel like at that point, he, the doctor would know that he's doing something worse and would try to go find him or at least do something else than just wait and watch, you know?
0: You're right, and I put the same thing in my notes. Well, the sheriff is right. Loomis doesn't provide much to go on. He really does. So far, it's kind of like a wild goose chase. Because Loomis is literally just hanging out instead of really... I don't know. Yeah, he's not
1: doing too much. And I understand that it's hard to track Michael down,
0: but you gotta do something, you know? Well, this... I'm I'm jumping ahead just a little bit, but then I have a gigantic issue with this. He turns around and he sees down the block the car.
1: Yeah. I was like... I had the exact same thing in my notes. I was like, uh, but...
0: You didn't see that before? That is not good storytelling on the movie's part. And I was disappointed with that sequence. I was like, that's stupid. Seriously? Yeah, I was like, "He wouldn't. you didn't see that car before? Are you kidding me? I, I know. I, I was just like, that's ridiculous. But before that, we get Linda and Bob, who are drinking and giggly and drinking and driving. But I will say, oh, it is yeah. so scary when they're kissing on the couch and we see Michael standing there, I'm like trying to put myself in their shoes. I'm like, dang, what if that was re-? like, that was real. And that was me. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is the, this is the scene that kind of
1: kicked off the climax too. Yeah. It, this or at least gets to the climax mm-hmm. and this. Ooh. Yeah. I have so many times in my notes, just, eh, eh, it's getting to me. <laughs> eh, you know, just three or four times in this sequence, I have that exact, those exact words because it was getting to me. I was like, when is he going to do it? You know, yeah.
0: And this movie does a, a really well done job of juggling many different storylines. It does. And not it does making it job. feel cumbersome because we have Lori's storyline, Annie's storyline, then we get to Linda's and Bob's storyline. And then we're still right. maintaining with uh, Sheriff Brackett and Dr. Loomis. So we've got like three or four or five storylines yeah. that we're jumping and, back and forth between yeah. and it all feels, it flows,
1: Right. And I, I never feel like this is too much. In fact, I feel like this is just right for the movie. Yes. Because there may be a lot of storylines, but they're all super simple to understand, so I'm not confused the whole time. I like that. That's good. Yes, I completely agree.
0: You're right. And I would say that Jamie Lee Curtis, I want to compliment her acting here once again. After she hangs up with Linda on the phone, she just tells a lot in her expression, like, like yes. right after she hangs up with Linda and she sees the lights turn off, she has this look of longing, like, I want a boyfriend, you know, I want to be over there, I want to be intimate with him, too, you know, e- I want that, exactly. too. And she just really portrays that in her expressions.
1: Yeah, and, and that doesn't need dialogue to express that. It's all in the acting style, you know, and it,
0: you feel that. And I was like, interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. And we get a next surprise kill, which... What did you think of uh, when Michael jumps out of the closet and kills Bob? That that got me. Oh,
1: it's so good. <laughs> oh, man. At first, I was like, is he just going to choke him? No, he takes a knife and stabs him, and he hangs him to he, the doors yes, on the wall. He,
0: like, raises him up with one arm in this iron death grip, and then he just, like, stays there and stabs him. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, jeez. And then the scene when he comes back in the room with
1: the sheet on. It was perfect. Wasn't that I so was great? I like, oh! <laughs> oh, I didn't know when he was going to do it. That's the scariest part. I never know when he's going to kill the next person. Yes. It's always a surprise to me. And so I'm just like, when is he going to do it? When is he going to do it? And I'm just freaking out because... The movie takes so long to do it, and then when it does it, it feels so right, but so scary at the same time.
0: Oh, it's it's great, and it really shows. There's this weird contrast between Michael being like an animal, but also really attentive to detail. Yes, because he took the guy's glasses and put them on. He took the guy's glasses. He also got the beer. That's which right. She yeah. asked him to go get the beer, and but right before that, when he kills Bob, he is standing there looking at Bob. And he's like tilting his head back and forth, which if you're a dog owner, you'll know that dogs do that. Exactly, yeah. And I remember, I I think it was like the, I think it was Nick Castle who was doing it. It was his choice to do that, and that is just really chilling, really weird to watch him. Like after he kills him, he just stands there and looks at him like this for a while. He just turns his head back and forth, like he's trying to comprehend or something. I I don't know. It's it yeah. Brings us like I said, it's the small things in this movie. That make it the scariest. Really great attention to detail.
1: Yes, and it was right after when he kills the guy. I have in my in my notes, not cool movie, not cool because it was scary. It was really getting to me at that point. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And the thing, I think the thing that scares me the most in the movie is the breathing of Michael Myers. Mm, yeah, that's the thing that made this movie for me. I, when, if it didn't have that, I don't, think, I would probably wouldn't have been as scared as I am. As I was when I finished it, but the breathing in this movie is so well is so well implemented yes. that it's freaky. I, I would, it's so
0: freaky. I would say the breathing and the music also, though. Yes, really does it for me. Like when he's approaching, like as soon as she starts walking, when she's on the phone, that dun 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 dun, 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 dun. Yeah, done, yeah, that is so creepy. As he's like walking towards her, and you know she's about right. to die. Yeah. Uh, and it's I mentioned almost... I was
1: gonna I mentioned I was gonna talk about this uh, earlier. Um, although I do really like the music in this movie, I do feel like it's a bit overutilized, like to a like especially in like the beginning up until maybe when it turns nighttime. Yeah. Because every time yeah. there he, he he shows Michael Myers, mm-hmm. there's some music there to go along with sure. it. And that's a lot, right? It wouldn't be that big of a deal if he wasn't there as much as he is but it happens a lot and it gets kind of repetitive after a while. And I started to like, kind of get annoyed with the music at that point. Cause mm. like, okay, I've heard this track five times now. In the that's 15 minutes, you know, can we please have something else? But once the film gets to the nighttime sequences, this drops off uh, almost immediately. And it's completely different from the rest of the film. That was the only big problem I had with the music gotcha. was just like that. And that, I like the music. That's not a problem with the, like how the music was composed is how it was implemented in the movie that I didn't like cuz it was like every time he was shown on the screen there was a chord to go along with it.
0: Yeah, I think probably the reason I didn't think about it as much is probably cuz I've seen it so many times. Right. After a while you're just you just accept it, I guess. But right, that's right. true. And I try to approach all of these movies as if I've never seen them before. But that's a right. good point. But but like I said, not bad music, no, just right. maybe not implemented the best. Right. And this is actually the very first time when we get a clear close-up of michael in the mask yes after he strangles linda and he rises up and we just see him there and he like here like has the phone up to his ear and then he like puts it down you know
1: yes and i although i say that the death of the girl maybe isn't the best of the movie the way that they with the telephone yeah
0: yeah I don't because she it looks kind of kind of fake at least on it, her end, like it, her it, acting end. It really end. does. I thought the same thing. She's just flailing with her eyes and everything. I'm like oh, that's yeah, it's like, a little silly. I was like a bit hammy, but yeah. the fact that Michael Myers is just so still
1: through that entire sequence, yes, and then rises up at the very end. It's like
0: ah, oh, it just a stone cold, uh, stone cold killer. Exactly. Did you think it was weird that when Lindsay and Tommy go to bed, they are sleeping in the same bed?
1: Yeah, that was weird. I was like, interesting choice, uh, uh, but never really
0: at the same time... I never really thought about time, it until this review, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, it didn't really weird me out too much, but I did notice it. I was like, that's kind of strange.
0: Well, at that age, you just don't do that, and they would have felt right. weird anyway, so I thought that was... Maybe back then it was a bit more accepted, but... Well, but I don't know. I think I know. it was just maybe for convenience's sake, for later Probably. on when she has to run up there. But then I was thinking, well, hey... Would it have been more intense if she would have had to have run to, like, two different bedrooms?
1: True. Yeah, that's a good point. Hmm. That's a good point. That would have been interesting. I I don't know. I mean, it's nothing that I really thought that would hinder the film in any way. Mm-hmm. But it is it is an interesting point. I, I do like – I think it may have been a bit more intense if she had to go get both of them out of their, uh, different rooms.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I really want to compliment this scene where Laurie walks to the house. Holy cow. Yes. That is just, it fills you with so much dread as yeah, it's cutting it's scary. back and forth between her and the house and that music that's playing and she's all alone out there. There's nobody else because it's our yes. past time for trick-or-treating. Kids are in bed.
1: Exactly. Woo-hoo. I was like, this is getting to me.
0: <laughs> I, this I, is, I would say it's probably yeah. the eeriest scene so far.
1: I would say, yeah, opinion. I would completely agree with that. And I do okay. I have to compliment the sound design for this movie too. Not just the breathing, but also when it gets to those really intense, like suspenseful scenes, it does a really good job at like noise because it's always very quiet, but at the same time has that music in the background to help like to help build that suspense. It does a very good job at that. Absolutely,
0: and yes, one hundred percent. And it is so creepy when she's walking around the house in the dark yes and she almost opens the closet door where he jumped out of
1: yes Did you see that where
0: she was almost doing it and then she stopped i was like oh no oh, they're it yeah
1: this out. i was like this is where she's dying this is it she's dying in this <laughs> house because every other kill happened here you know at least on the property i was like this is it but it doesn't happen again like i said this movie takes what you would think would happen and then turns on its head yes i was like God, this movie's
0: getting me. When is he gonna get her? You know. Well, and you, I never know. You're, you're completely right, and you know what? We get this. Is, we get a callback to the beginning because we get a yes. POV shot of Laurie ascending the stairs and going towards a bedroom, of just like Michael did in the beginning. Exactly, and it was a good parallel between the beginning and end of this movie. Yeah, it was a role reversal. It was weird, but it also foreshadows something terrible is going to happen. Exactly that too. Okay, and were you freaked out when she opened up the door and Annie was laying there and the tombstone was above? Yes. her? Yes, I was like, "Oh
1: <laughs> no!" Because I for, I actually did, I actually had forgotten that he had stole the tombstone mm-hmm. for uh for, you know, and so it's when I saw like, that I was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Judith, oh, oh no!" Because then I remembered about that tombstone. I was like, "Ah," you know, yeah. And then she turns around. And the guy falls down from the from the door frame.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, and that actually did give me, that actually did
0: scare oh, me a little yeah. bit. Then, you know, she opens up the closet and it goes in there too, you know? Yes. And it's just a great sequence. It is. And then I love how she she's in the hallway. And then we just slowly see, like, Michael's face right there. In the yes. And the closet, like, come into view.
1: Yes. I saw him, like, ah. So now, I, okay, have you ever seen The Gallows? No. Oh, okay. You don't need to watch it. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. But there is one sequence, like it's kind of almost exactly the same way. I would say probably the most chilling sequence of that movie. There's a sequence where one of the main girls is like uh, squatting against, I think, like a railing or whatever near this hallway, and she's crying. And then the scene is silent the entire time. And then it's there's one there's one hallway which is completely black, and then you see the main killer just kind of just slowly make his way into the frame as the light it kind of comes back from mm-hmm. under him and he kind of just comes flowing through that light that scared me mm-hmm. that was probably the only point in the movie where it actually scared me and this movie does that I'm like
0: yes mm-hmm. oh it's freaky well, so good it, they did a lot of cool tricks with this film this actually was achieved by using a dimmer switch really yeah so they were just huh. slowly bringing up the light with oh. the dimmer switch to slowly illuminate his face it, it was really well done yeah, it it really was. And you it, know, from here on out I love I love everything. This climax is so great.
1: I would almost agree with you. I do like this ending a lot. I'll point out the problems I have with it. Okay. But I agree. It's a lot of fun.
0: Okay, but do you agree that the chase is pretty intense?
1: Yes. I would completely agree with that. From
0: like when she's running down the stairs, he's busting open the door, she's running across the street, and those Jerk's next door won't even help her as I like turn on the porch light, and peek out, and yes. like,
1: "Nope, go to bed. Never mind." Yes, yeah. This this entire scene because I don't. I was like, "Don't go back to your house because you know <laughs> there are kids there." Yeah, and she's ha- and then she kind of like has to go back to the house because there's nowhere else she can go. You know, yeah.
0: It, that would be so scary for Tommy. I love how she yeah. like throws the plant like two stories up the potted yes. plant. and Tommy's like, "Who is it?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I would say it's pretty intense also when she's in the house and she has, like, the knitting needles with the couch. But Michael, okay, I don't know why that, like, window was left open. This, like, yeah. man size window for him to walk into, that was weird. Andy, Andy had already cut the phone line. Right. So Wouldn't he have time to do that? He you know? Yeah, he knows. He's like, dang, these people are on the phone so much. I'm just cutting the phone line. I'm tired of them talking. That's what he was thinking about. Right, exactly. And... <laughs> Oh, I
1: think it was before this, when she was was locked inside of her friend's house. Yes. I was like, well, locked inside the house, though? Like, I could get the door that she went to that she broke the glass of because there was a rake against the, you know, the the handles.
0: Well, yeah. But she has to go through the front door, and that's locked. Like, what? (laughs) Well, the only thing that I can think of is that when she got into uh, Linda's babysitting house, Michael went over, opened up the door, cut the phone lines, came back jammed that rake up against the door because that's the door she came in through it wasn't there before that's true so it's like he set up a lot of contingencies like okay if she figures out how to escape the the back door and i can't kill her then i'll have a way to get into the house and she won't be able to call for help so this seemingly mindless dog eating you know psychopath Yeah. thinks ahead apparently and has lots of contingency plans in case things don't work out right yeah
1: (laughs) and then she breaks the window of the door with her bare hands but no big deal right
0: (laughs) yeah and michael did the same thing in the beginning when he that's true broke that and if you if you look closely like it's really obvious to me now especially if you pause it he has like a wrench he's like holding a wrench yeah And he just like hits it with a wrench because no person could do that at all they're just trying to establish that he's like the superhuman, gotcha. Yeah.
1: So then, yeah. So then she goes next door, or back to her house, and I, I have in my notes. It. You know, she was trying to get in the door, and she was about a to plan. Tommy comes out, and goes what? <laughs> and he's like, the keys, the keys, or whatever, you know. And then so he comes it down, worked. and
0: in my notes I said, Tommy, you punk, open the door. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming. Well, she is waiting for. Oh, and Tommy says the line, "You can't kill the boogeyman." yeah and, that's right well she stabs michael in the neck which i always right. thought would really hurt yeah i thought it would too and this is also when i um kind of empathize with loomis knowing that michael is clearly there but not knowing where yes that would just be hopeless to know that he's running around and i yeah. love the shot i absolutely love the shot when she is, mm-hmm. when you, when you think Michael's down with that thing stabbed through his neck and she's mm-hmm. talking to the kids and she's like, it's okay now I killed him. And if yeah. you look in the background of the shot, it's in the background. You just see a shadow coming up the stairs and it's blurry. And then yes. it comes into focus and you're like, Oh, and they scream. And they're
1: like, I, saw, I saw that. Yeah. I was like, Oh no. Great. Cause great I shot. knew what was going to happen i had i had i had a serious suspicion i was like he's not dead there's no way he's dead
0: it just gets so scary though when she it's like she can't stop this guy she goes into the closet and he's there he's Mm -hmm. busting open the closet and that light is like coming on and off and she yeah that was i did
1: like that how the light just kept going on and off because he kept hitting it
0: yeah And she is tough. She stabs him in the chest and – well, she stabs him in the eye, I'm pretty sure, with, like, a coat hanger. And then she takes his knife and stabs him in the chest. And then it's like,
1: okay, finally over, right? And at this point, she's smart enough. She's like, no, uh, I don't – she's like, I I know he's not going to be down for a while. It seems that way, you know. And so she tries to – well, she she tries to get the kids to move somewhere. No, she, she tries to get the kids to go in next door and call the police. And she guides him away from him, you know. Yeah, that was smart to get the kids out of the
0: house. And that's where Loomis knows to run in. The way that Michael Myers sits back up, though. Okay, that's exactly what I was (laughs) going (laughs) to say. And I saw that. I was like, no.
1: Movie, that's a no-no. You don't do that. Because it was freaking me out. I
0: loved it, though. How she's sitting there. And then he's so robotic. Yes. That is just a testament to Nick Castle's acting, where it's just like the music cues perfectly. It's like done. No, no. Exactly, he just, like sits up. Then he just like turns his head, stands up, and they both like stand up at the same time. And then he starts choking yes. her. And yes, rips- that whole sequence was great. Yes, and she rips his mask off. Yeah, we saw his and face, it's,
1: and it pulls, and it pulls out Star Wars Episode Seven. It's like, oh, it's just a regular dude, you
0: yeah. know? I, I, you think that his face would be all messed up, but it's not. It's just a regular, like regular looking guy, you know? And they, and John Carpenter almost wanted it to kind of have this like angelic presence. To Michael like mm, he just yeah. was like he didn't look horrible or deformed he just looked because by the movie's time he would be 21 years old he would be my age and he just right. kind of has like this blonde hair and this pure looking face yeah which is just ah it's weird
1: yeah it makes it even more scarier because he's just a regular guy you're
0: right you and know I don't know like I equate like the mask he wears like I equate that to just being his face you know what I mean? Like he has no other face except. Yeah, I agree. That blank mask, and when you see it for the first time, it's weird. And I would say, like in some movies, they make the wrong choice by taking the mask off. But this was the right choice. It just, it just unsettles you that much more to see that he's yeah. normal and kind of young and actually handsome in a way. Yeah, he's and actually it's, a human being. He's not like this robotic psycho, right?
1: And if and if a villain like that could be more human, I feel like that makes it even scarier because we can relate to it a bit more. You know, yeah. maybe absolutely hyperbolized, but it's something that gets the audience to be scared even more because he's just a regular guy, mm-hmm. not just not somebody who's had this insane messed up face or anything. No, it's just a regular guy. Yeah, it's and that's that's good. It, it's really good.
0: And Loomis shoots him six times as he goes flying yes. out of the balcony
1: yes and i was
0: I, and my notes said it took how many shots to kill him <laughs> well the first shot didn't do anything because he's just standing there although he's breathing right. much heavier and then he shoots him goes flying off the balcony
1: yeah and i was at that point i was like he's not dead is he he's not dead is he i loved it and he's not dead no <laughs> i loved
0: it when she just says was the boogeyman and loomis says as a matter of fact it was yes love that line ah. Oh, it's so Such good. Such a good line, And I love Loomis's expression when he looks. Yes. And he's just like, I He's like I knew it. I yeah. knew this guy. And that
1: face is just like, I knew it. But oh, crap. Yes. You know?
0: Yes. And
1: he's gone. He's not there anymore.
0: Yes. And okay, I remember how you said you really love his breathing. And that's what I yes. get at the very end this okay this is what
1: scared this, i literally i was up walking around when i when this finished after this like the very last seat like shots of this movie where it's just him breathing yes. as it goes along it gets it more intense and faster and more intense until it just cuts off yes. and so i was playing the ending credits i was like okay i am now scared i was legitimately scared for myself i was like that that was scary yes
0: well the shape is omnipresent he's omnipresent isn't he Yeah, and just showing like
1: the the shots of where he was, you Mm -hmm. know, and every place he hit in the morning. Oh, so good. That's how you scare an audience. That really (laughs) is.
0: Ah, such a chilling, such an unsettling film.
1: Yeah, I will have to. I'll mention this maybe a bit in detail in my final thoughts, but I did think that the ending was a bit abrupt.
0: Mm Okay.
1: I'll go in more in detail about that later, but the way the way that it ends completely is amazing. It's so good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And something funny I want to point out is the end credits say Michael is 23, but the filmmakers don't know how to do math. Yeah. He wouldn't be 23. That's like a huge goof.
1: Yeah. I was like, he was seven,
0: 15 years after that. No, he was six plus 15. Oh, that's right. it was six. 21. It's easy. They messed it up. Ah, uh, he's not 23. But you noticed that if you... The Michael, age twenty-three, is a different actor than the shape. Really? So the guy who's underneath doing the shape, uh, Nick Castle. That's not. That's not Nick Castle when the mask mask gets pulled off. Oh, okay. So it's interesting they did that, and that's what I was trying to say earlier. Is they deliberately made a choice. They wanted this guy to look, yeah, like kind of like pure and handsome, and almost has this innocent look to him.
1: Right. That kind of reminds me of the what they did with Darth Vader. Because they had like four or five different people doing, they had the guy who did the voice, mm-hmm. the guy in the suit, the guy when they pulled off the mask in episode six, it was a different guy. And then, you know, Hayden Christensen in episode three. So that kind of reminds me of uh, Star Wars and what they did with Darth Vader. Mm-hmm.
0: And honestly, okay, if you went to see this in theaters, would you have been saying, oh man, I can't wait for the sequel. I can't wait to see what happens next.
1: No, because I didn't know there would have been a sequel.
0: Well, would you have wanted one though? Is what I'm trying to ask because huh, you know how question. nowadays they always like they like take it's this halloween sequ- formula where yeah. there's like oh my gosh he's he's not dead or he's gone or something and they're like oh man i can't wait for the sequel were you yeah would you be eager for a sequel are you eager for a sequel to this film
1: honestly i feel like this is one of those films that just works just just fine on its own and it doesn't need a sequel to make it any better a sequel would be if i if i was in the theater seeing it when it came out and didn't know that there was a sequel I may have wanted a sequel um, to this, but at the same time, I feel like it's scarier not having a sequel, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, I do. And you're actually on the same page with John Carpenter and Deborah Hill because they had no intention of doing a sequel to this film. Wow, really? Yeah, there was not going to be a Halloween 2. Huh. No way. Or 3, or 4, or Or 5, or (laughs) 6. No, yeah. There was not going to be a franchise. This was just going to be a standalone horror film and they're yeah. going to leave all of this stuff open-ended how did he live mm. what is the connection what you know there are there are unanswered questions but right. i don't really feel like that diminishes the movie no there, yeah no there's, there's that healthy there's the right amount yeah
1: yeah right amount of ambiguity to scare but also make you kind of you
0: no know, build conclusions for yourself yeah Well, this film was, like, so well-received and the fans and everything. It was, like, so hyped and major that John Carpenter's like, okay, I'll come back and do a sequel. Right, right. But then after that, no more. Yeah. And what he really wanted to do was keep the Halloween titling. Yeah. That's why we get Halloween 3, but it has nothing to do with 1 or 2. He wanted to just make films like, you know, Halloween 4 or Halloween 5, and they would be different stories.
1: So that was his original
0: thought, especially after Halloween 2. So but Understandable. Okay. So, Alan, what are your final thoughts and your recommendation for Halloween? Okay. Once again, I really like this movie.
1: Just the aesthetics of it all, not like if I was to take out the um, like just the story of it, the aesthetics the aesthetics that go into this movie are so good. In terms of like cinematography, the way that they implement suspense into the story, the way that they even use the music for the most part in the story, the way that these characters are given to us and then how what they go through, you know, I just love how this movie is made, you know, and putting the story onto it makes it even all the more better because we get to see, you know, how we get we get to know behind our main villain and it's it's just really good. I just love how this movie is made, you know? The aesthetics of this movie. And as like I said, there's a couple of points in this movie where I complimented the cinematography because it was just that good. The scene like I talked about earlier when um when the girls pull up to talk to the police officer's dad and then drive off, then um the doctor comes in, and they and the police officer, him talk, and the police officer walks up, and Michael Myers drives on by. It's a fantastic sequence. And there's one even later in the film that I didn't mention, but I remember now, is when Jamie Lee Curtis is walking to the neighbor's house, and there's just this one shot, this fantastic wide shot of her, like, walking, like, looking at, like, the stairs up to the door. Um, and she's looking, and the colors in that shot are just amazing because the house is all white, she's blue, like a light blue, and there's a orange pumpkin on the banister. And it's like, just the colors of that shot were just so good and so rich. It is This movie just feels amazing. Just the just the way the, the, film, the film is shot and the aesthetics of it are just so amazing. And that's one of my favorite parts of this movie. But even if that wasn't, like, even if it wasn't, like, good in that area, it's just still a good film because it builds the suspense really well. It does a really good job. It's scaring the audience by just taking the tension and just winding that string until we finally see him snap. And when he snaps, it's so abrupt and out of nowhere that it scares you. It's that good. And and the best part is you never know when he's going to strike. If you're watching for the first time, you never know when Michael Myers is going to strike. It reminds me of The Dark Knight with... Um, the Joker, you never know what he's gonna do next or how he's gonna do it or what's like the outcome gonna be Is the outcome actually gonna be the outcome that you're thinking of that he's bringing to the table? Or is it gonna be something different in which case in this one we see them We see him choke, ch- choke a couple people, but in the first time he does it He just chokes from the car then stabs her In the second time he takes a guy picks him up and then pins him to the wall and then the third time he comes in with a white sheet on with the guy's glasses and the girl thinks it's him. And that's scary because we know, the audience knows that it's Michael Myers under that sheet, but she doesn't know, and that makes it a little scarier because we know what's going to happen to her. We don't know what's going to happen to her, but we know that he's going to kill her. We don't know how, but we know that he's going to do it. And just things like that make this movie so much fun. And even though I have a few problems with the ending, like some things don't make sense, I feel like they underutilized the doctor in this more than they probably could have used him. Or even sometimes the music in like the opening uh, act and a half, they, it's not really, you know, given. Uh, it's always been it's always been used for something that's scary, so just letting the suspense build by itself without the music. This movie's still a lot of fun. It's definitely a classic. I see now why it's a classic, because this is my first time seeing this movie. And I gotta say, I had so much fun with this movie, I'm gonna give it a 9 out of 10.
0: With a high recommend. Woohoo! Yes! <laughs> I completely agree. Halloween is a rare gem among not just horror films, but films in general. It is one of, if not the greatest low budget film ever made. And in my opinion, among the greatest horror films ever made. Honestly, the only other horror film that can rival this in my mind is Rosemary's Baby, which I don't know. I just hold that film up on such a pedestal. It is just so incredible with its like setting and story and characters and so good. I see this in there, although I do say Rosemary's Baby is a little more rich than this is.
1: Yeah, it has a
0: bit of a deeper story than this one does. It, it does, and it is longer with the running time and stuff. So there's just yeah. a little more to it. Gosh, it's hard to decide whether this is my favorite like horror movie, scary movie ever. I, I mean, I would probably say yes. It's just, it just, just so incredible and John Carpenter's direction hits all the right beats by continually building suspense, focusing on the characters, and pulling out all the stops at just the right time. Yeah. And he really follows in the vein of Alfred Hitchcock, which is just a high compliment. And the audience is taken on this Halloween night journey with these unsuspecting babysitters and continually pulled in deeper and deeper as the movie progresses and the stakes continue to raise. We're given just a small amount of backstory, but, but not explaining everything, which is what makes this truly frightening. This film has become so iconic and it deserves it, and this is really a piece of cinema that has to be watched for those who enjoy a scary tale. Halloween proves you don't need shaky cam, lots of killing, tons of blood and gore, and so many unnecessary things that sadly horror films have developed to today in order to craft a wonderful horror film. That is why I am also giving Halloween 9 stars out of 10. Yeah. This movie is superb. Though I do say I could do without some of the nudity.
1: Otherwise, I this agree. film
0: receives a strong, strong recommendation.
1: Same with me. High. One of the highest of highs of rickman's Especially if you love
0: horror movies or even just classic horror movies, you'll love this one. Absolutely. I i'll be honest listeners i nearly gave this 10 stars 10 out of 10 something in my gut just kind of didn't feel right giving it 10 out of 10 i don't know if it was i don't know i feel like in order to give it a 10 out of 10 i might have needed a little more development with some of the story aspects and character aspects i think Mm -hmm. if we maybe would have got a little more of that then i could have bumped that up that nine up to a 10 but seriously i mean Nine stars out of ten. This this really does get my highest recommendation. It
1: it is that it is really that good. It I mean if you if you're just like a regular moviegoer you may not see the special yeah. this, like the speciality of this movie and it's understandable because now everything in this movie's been replicated so many times. Sure. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not a bad movie.
0: It's still a fantastic movie. It it really is, and I I would agree if you're not more inclined to that kind of horror scary movie side, then you probably won't appreciate this as much as we did. And your rating will probably be way different than ours. But like I said in my in my final recommendation, if you enjoy like a good scary tale, then this is this is the top. I mean, this is where it's at. It's just so superb. So thank you so much, listeners, for joining us for this special Halloween podcast. Hope you had a fun day of trick-or-treating and you stay safe and you just enjoy a good scary movie on this Halloween day I know I'll be revisiting this continually throughout the years every Halloween it's a tradition I'm sure Alan will be doing the same
1: yep that's my plan
0: (laughs) so make sure to look forward to more great podcasts coming soon head over to silverscreenguide.wordpress.com to read more great articles and reviews from each of us And it's not too late to check out some scary movies on this Halloween day. Make sure to go read that article that I wrote, Best Movies to Watch During October. Check that out. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Make sure to subscribe on uh, Podbean as well if you're a non-Apple user. And also make sure to go ahead and like the Facebook and Twitter page. We've got some great uh, info on there, and that way you can stay up to date. And when you do subscribe to... Our email newsletter, you will get uh, codes to bonus podcasts that we do. and We release those bonus podcasts only to those who subscribe to our uh, podcast show and to our website. We want to thank you so much again for joining us on this Halloween journey. Until next time.